Hello, Janina. <laughs> welcome to the podcast, Janina. <laughs> Thank you. Which podcast are we? And uh, welcome to all our listeners here to hear about uh, 5G and uh, from the voice of 5G. Okay. And that's us. This is the last time I'm going to ask you to start the podcast. <laughs> mission, mission success. Mission accomplished. Uh, so, well. Thank you for that attempt. <laughs> but we are the voice of 5G podcast, even, right? We are the voice of 5G podcast. Here we are again. This is Janina Townend, and I have with me my colleague Paul Cowling, and we work at Ericsson. And for our free time between meetings, we love to talk 5G with you, our dear listeners. And what do we have in the bag today, Paul? Well, just for change, I thought we might talk about 5G. No. No, yeah, really. We're going to the British Isles. Yes, we are. We're going to go to Scotland. Uh, I'm not sure if we're going to the Highlands or the Lowlands and or the Islands, but we're going to Scotland to, to talk to the Scotland 5G Centre. But before we go there, I thought there were a couple of interesting little snippets that we could talk about. Yeah. And the first one is, as we regularly talk about what's happening in 5G markets, is that I saw that Montenegro is gearing up for their 5G spectrum auction. Mm-hmm. It's going to happen in the second half of this year. And the interesting thing with 5G spectrum auction is they're actually looking at spectrum in, in three different bands. So 700 megahertz, 2.6 gigahertz. No, 3.6 gigahertz. Get it right, Paul. Uh, and 26 gigahertz. That's where the confusion came in. So they're actually looking for everything from low bands, which can give you coverage, to the very high bands, the millimeter wave bands, which will give you very high clusters. So exciting stuff there. Do you know how many countries have launched 5G and how many hasn't? Um, no, but we could look into that and report back on a later podcast. Yes, because we have a podcast coming up about Ericsson Mobility Report, where those stats probably are. I'll take that to the notes. Ah, you're ahead of me then. Add that to the nose. So that was like just an indication of where things are going. We saw last time that even in, in India, they're moving closer to, to 5G. And I saw an interesting report from a company called Acumen Research and Consulting talking about the 5G chipset market. Mm-hmm. And those are the devices that go into, for instance, handsets and similar things. Uh, so mobile phones and smartphones and stuff. And they say that the, the market for those uh, chips today is about $1.6 billion. But they're projecting by 2030, that will be a huge $145 billion it just in chips. And that's the, the devices going into phones. So that maybe gives us an idea of how far we've come in adoption of 5G, because they're predicting you know, basically about a 90-fold increase in the, uh, in the value of the chipsets. So that would suggest that maybe we've saturated about only a small number of small number of percentage points of the global market for 5G devices. Yeah. Are those just for 5G smartphones or is it devices, like you said? Could it be things going into other things as well? <laughs> Sorry, chips going into other things. <laughs> well, I think I'd need to read it in more detail, but I suspect they're highly focused on the on the smartphone. Uh, market, but, but in that time frame, you should see also devices coming through for connecting all sorts of things. Yeah. So that's anything from you know smart meters and uh, digital signage stuff to devices that are going into uh, automated vehicles in factories and big trucks driving around in in 
on mining sites and those kinds of things that also need connectivity plus of course your connected car um yes good i'm sure when you get your electric car you'll be wanting it to have 5g oh for sure and that's my little snippets of news for today just to give you a teaser before we go over and talk to paul coffee from the uh, scotland 5g center yes so let's do that now Now, on the Voice of 5G podcast, we have a guest on. And this is going to be interesting to see because we have Paul C. and Paul C. Uh, together with, <laughs> <laughs> with me on the podcast. Paul Coffey, CEO of Scotland's 5G Centre. Welcome to the podcast, Paul. Hi, Janina. Hi, you can just call me Coffee. Maybe, maybe that's easier. Yeah, it's, or we can go into all my former uh, <laughs> nicknames through school to uh, make life easier with it. That's good. I'll I'll call you coffee and cowling. Okay, great. <laughs> great to have you on the podcast. You're here to talk about 5G in Scotland and what you're doing when it comes to rural 5G and what to consider when it comes to bringing 5G to perhaps not so populated area. But you have an interesting background as well. Tell us a little bit more about your background. You've been working in the business for a while. I have, you're right. I've been uh, 95, I, I got into this business, which I think was year year one for, for Orange in the UK. So uh, yeah, I joined uh, actually, the, was the very first graduate intake in, into Orange at the time and lasted a good while. Lasted 18 years in, in Orange and EE and uh, various various names through, through that journey. So very, very rewarding time it was there, I guess, going through the growth that was in the, you know, the, late, the late 90s at mobile telecoms. And here we are, you know, many years on, still gets me out of bed in the morning and, yeah, still really motivated to work in this space. Ready for another generation. Another one, exactly, exactly. I started at 2G. I feel like I missed out. Yeah, it's, it's <laughs> a bit like Star Trek. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Will there be a 6G? I think we all know the answer. We can maybe talk about 6G a bit later, but tell us about the Scotland 5G Centre. What What is it? What is it you're set up to do? Yeah, so yeah, the Scotland 5G Centre, We the potential for 5G is, is, is about future-proofing industry, public sector, how we increase productivity, you know, uh, we, we all know that. But it's, for me, the centre was created. It was created two year, over two years ago, back end of, of 2019. And, you know, some people come to me and say, Paul, why wasn't there a Scotland 4G centre? But I, I think largely my, my response to that is, you know, 5G, it's, it's about business. It's about B2B or B2B2X, not about consumer offerings. Arguably, 5G still, in this point in time, is, is still too focused on the consumer offering. But it's about, it's about 5G and the benefit that 5G will, will deliver. Yeah, so you're talking mainly to businesses, are you, in the work that you do? Yeah. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we are Scotland's national centre, a gateway centre for advanced connectivity. Yeah, they're really established to bring together all the you know academia industry where we're supported by Scottish government, funded by Scottish government, and really to bring all the, those and regional agencies together to raise awareness of the benefits of 5G. Because for me, whilst there's been a bit of a hype over the last several years, really, people still don't truly understand 
apart from the, the the dreaded triangle of what 5G is about, you know, it's, it, it moves beyond the latency, density and, and, and capacity and speed. It's, it's more about what does it mean for business? How does it drive, you know, it's that data-driven innovation, the platform for data-driven innovation. So a lot of my conversations with business are less about speed and less about capacity. It's what does it mean to a salmon farm? to a distillery. It's how do we drive advanced connectivity through 5G to make a difference to the, to the people in, in those sectors across Scotland. So you're looking at use cases like connected whiskey vats and that kind of thing. Exactly, exactly. Janina would be very interested. <laughs> we need to get you guys on site, exactly. And, uh, the, uh, the first 5G-enabled whiskey distillery is, is my aim. Yeah, well, that sounds, that sounds definitely possible. You talked earlier about the 5G Connect hubs. What are those? Yeah, so that's fairly recent into my, into my tenure at, at the Scotland 5G Centre. You know, I thought, okay, the centre's about raising awareness, accelerating the deployment. But what do we need? We need to get out to the regions of Scotland so we really understand what the challenges are, what the opportunities are, because they're very different in central Glasgow and central Edinburgh to the Highlands. So we established a network. So we've got a national network of Scotland 5G Connect Hubs where we've deployed a standalone 5G private network. Within that, we will work with regional agencies like Highlands of Islands Enterprise or Scottish Enterprise or South of Scotland Enterprise. So these regional agencies also work with the local councils, local businesses, and then local academia. We bring these partners together along with other innovation centres across Scotland to really look at the opportunities and the challenges of how advanced connectivity can make a difference. And each of these Connect Hubs, we we focus on the discrete and diverse sectors across Scotland. So we may have one, for example, in Dumfries and Galloway in the south of Scotland, really focused on transport, logistics, social and healthcare. So we really try and have different different hubs focusing on different different sectors. So then collectively, we can bring it all together. And each hub then is working with local industries and local businesses. Is that the way it's set up? Correct. Yes. And we bring businesses through through the hubs. We help raise awareness. And we also run innovation challenges. We've got an innovation challenge in, in, in healthcare going on in Dumfries at the moment, which will bring businesses through the hubs and we'll run industry accelerators, innovation accelerators through these hubs to really start to make, make a, a real world difference. And it's less R&D focused. It's, we're trying to concentrate more on the, the higher TRL around innovation. So we really can try and take things through our hub program quite quickly and make a difference into, into you know, everyday businesses. Mm. And it's, you know, for me, through that and the awareness raising we're doing, it's, it's, it's the technology, but it's also about the commercial case for 5G as well. Yeah, we've seen an awful lot uh, globally around pilots, proof of concepts around 5G. But it's important for me and, and it's important for, for, you know, for Scotland that we go beyond that and it, it, we focus on what is the commercial case for adoption. So I can go into businesses, have those conversations in the distillery, for example, or in creative industries and say, okay, a 5G network or a 5G private network this is what it will make a difference in terms of productivity. And we can start, start to look at the, the return of investment of that deployment of a, of a private network. And what sort of use cases are people actually interested in doing for real, so to speak, 
we get to talk a lot about use cases, but there's always that, well, are they real? Is that what people are really trying to do? Yeah, and I guess it's not that unique, really. I guess some of the, the geography constraints are, are unique. So, for example, salmon farming, aquaculture is a big one here. Now, you might not say that really needs 5G. It needs connectivity. You know, at the moment, you may have a, a salmon farm. They need to go out to feed the, the to feed the fish in all sorts of diverse and pretty horrendous weather conditions. So, can you automate that? Can you look at the, the health and the well-being state of the salmon? Can you look at the weather conditions? Think right, we'll automate that. So, it perhaps doesn't need all the nuances of five G, but through lower cost deployment that sometimes five G enables in a private context, you can go in there and deploy. Maybe start with four G and evolve it it to 5G. So we're, looking, we're starting to look at use cases like that around where connectivity could be the barrier and then we overlay that with maybe AI and, and other use cases over the top of that. So social care, healthcare are big drivers in Scotland when you look at you know the, the, the population, a lot of people in remote highlands and islands, how we can start to make a difference there with remote healthcare. And you know, through the pandemic, we've seen, you know, introduction of you know early adoptions of of different technology and what we're trying to do is take it a step further how can 5g you know and 4g make a difference in in their spaces tourism creative industries you know and obviously industry 4.0 obviously other sectors we're focusing on yeah tourism you can imagine being kind of interesting if you combine it with augmented reality going around and getting your guided tour of edinburgh or wherever Exactly. They're, they're kind of obvious applications, aren't they? Mm. And I guess the return of investment is, is perhaps, you know, we need to look at that. But there's many, many areas across Scotland. Tourism is obviously a big, a big driver. But you can also create on the back of that what else is in the surrounding area. So don't just deploy one network for one use case. And this is something we've been working with some other our, our, our partners, DHI and Census in, in Scotland around how you could deploy one network in a remote rural area and then look at the, the different use cases that could be adopted. So you could have a, a school, you could have a whiskey distillery, an industry, the salmon farm, a GP surgery. Then collectively, how could they share, share, share that resource and create a, a better return of investment in areas where arguably the commercial mobile operators have struggled to make that pay based on your... £30 a month consumer type tariff. Yeah, it's those areas that there aren't that many people to pay to, to put in a mobile network. It's just to pay for consumer subscriptions on doing web surfing and things. And 5G is less about that population density. It's, it's, it's not just connecting us people, it's connecting things and uh, building the use cases on that. Can I just ask, uh, what is your connection to, to service providers or operators? And because you, you say you're working together with enterprises and, and also the community and the and the universities. But do you have a collection also to the, to the service provider? Absolutely. We have everyone is our friends. We're there to... Uh, <laughs> we're, we're, They're a friendly bunch. We are a friendly bunch. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I guess joking, joking aside is, is yeah, we are that, that national entity. To my knowledge, there's no other national 5G type, type centre. There's, there's arguably... You know, centres doing similar things to us, but not at a, at a national level. Mm. So where, one thing where we're, we're, you know, making good strides forward is because we're that, that national entity, we're, we're neutral, we're independent. So we can have that, you know, open dialogue with businesses, telling them the pros and cons of going to a commercial operator for a, for a service or a, 
a slice there, I say, versus deploying their own private network. Or if they were to deploy a, a private network, what are the different approaches to that? Do you go for a tier one type solution or there's a lot of, you know, tier two? And where does Open Run sit into that? Mm. So we try and talk about the whole, the whole kind of landscape and mobile operators and commercial operators are an important part of that. You know, we, we need to recognize arguably that the business model to continue to evolve that, that rollout is, is compromised. You know, it's, it's going back to 95, arguably has the rollout model changed that much since 95 when I got into the space, there's different players in there, but it's not really evolved that much. We have seen some new new strides forward in, in Scotland recently where there's something called a shared rural network, Scotland 4G infill program. So these are government interventions really targeted at, at remote areas of, of, of Scotland where leave it to their own devices. We know the operators won't roll out there. So these are intervention programs by, by government. You know, if, if we take... I guess the baseline for connectivity day for Scotland, you know, it's, it's 45% of population coverage in, in Scotland is covered by all four mobile operators. So it's quite, quite low when we're looking collectively across the base. You know, that will go up to 82% of, sorry, landmass is covered today by all operators. So that will, that will increase to 96% with, through the shared rural network. So that's fantastic. We're going in the right way, but arguably, arguably we, there's still room to go beyond that. So it's how we work with mobile operators to get beyond that. How do we tap into new business cases and new technology? And that's a kind of a shared network. So instead of putting a phone mast up for each of each of the operators, they put up one and they actually share all the radio equipment so that regardless of which operator you're with, you're connected to the same phone network or the same mobile mast? No, it's, it's more shared passive infrastructure. So all the active equipment is still belonging to, to the mobile operators. Okay, so the masts are shared, but everyone has their own radios on the mast. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it's not neutral host, as it were, which is, I guess, something else the center's focusing on, and, and it's still got some way to go, I think, you know, from an industry perspective. But I think in those areas where we know we need to get connectivity up to, to, to people and arguably to land masses so we can connect devices, I think that's where neutral host has a, has a role to play. And we're exploring that and pushing policy and, and working with regulation where we can to make sure you know, Scotland and the needs for Scotland are front and centre of their minds because we need to ensure you know, no place or no one is left behind in, in, in Scotland where... You know, 20% of the revenue in, in rural Scotland is generated from uh, rural areas, 20% revenue, and 20% of the population lives in those areas. And we need to ensure they, they have a fair and equitable access to 5G as, as everybody else. Yeah. Um, so talking about that, if, if you're a business in Scotland and you want to run 5G, then the one thing that you need is spectrum. So what's the situation in, in Scotland now when it comes to access to spectrum? And, you know, do you have to go to an operator or is the private spectrum or licensed, uh, unlicensed or licensed private spectrum? Yeah, so it's the same. So Scotland is, it, telecoms is not devolved as part of Scotland. So, it, so it's all controlled centrally from Ofcom, the regulator in, in the UK. So there's, there's something called shared spectrum and, and local license spectrum. So you need to go to Ofcom and apply for that license. So, you know, if you are the owner of that whiskey distillery, you know, you don't know anything about that. You know, do you really, as, a, as an entity, want to be going to Ofcom? So that's, an, that's something that the Scotland 5G Centre is trying to step in and, and kind of broker that and signpost to help businesses with that. 
but ultimately there's yeah, twenty five percent spectrum now is shared spectrum. So there, there's an awful lot of spectrum out there, albeit I think we need to make it easier and more yeah, more of an autonomous process for people to access that spectrum. Yeah, not just within Scotland in in the UK as a, as a, as a whole. I think it needs to be a lot more dynamic than it than it is today. If we're really going to move on, you know, the the, the uptake. Yeah, you know, I read. I think the private networks growing forty percent year on year. The, the private private network business. If we really want to make that, you know, a, a growth business within the UK, we've got to make it a lot easier for businesses to apply and get access to that spectrum. And that's one thing. You know, from a Scotland perspective, we're kind of starting to have these discussions with. The regulators around well, why can't Scotland start to own and manage that some of that shared spectrum for Scotland? Yeah, could we start to manage that on the behalf of businesses and be be a broker in that ecosystem? Yeah, that would that would be an interesting step forward because, as, as you say, it's getting hold of the spectrum was a fundamental starting point for actually being able to do something. And you know, businesses, it's not something businesses have ever had to do before, so you need to make it as easy for them as possible. Exactly. Yeah, I think it's fine. If you're a big corporate or, or you know you get Vodafone into something like that, something like that it, it works. But if you're a smaller business, you know, medium-sized business, you don't know where to start. So that is you know an awful lot of our time is signposting, helping businesses with that process, understand the technology, understand importantly the commercial case and the commercial value. Yeah, and and you're working like with the ecosystem all the way up are you so when you know if you're talking about a private network and we talked about you know your connected distillery then presumably the distillery wouldn't wouldn't develop the applications to run their distillery they'd need someone to do that for them that knew about distilleries and knows about enough to be able to use 5g are you helping to make those connections as well yeah so the scotland 5g center so we're funded by scottish government but we have three three founding partners university of glasgow University of Strathclyde and, and Scottish Futures Trust. So just on those, we've got two academic partners. So a lot of those are developing applications. Yeah, there's a lot of work, good work coming out of Glasgow at the moment, which really is application-led. And what a lot of that innovation, we channel through our Connect program, our 5G Connect program. So something, you know, that their researchers have developed they're working on something really, really good at the moment around a neuron feedback kind of glove, effectively, that will control the robot arm. That we then take into our hubs and we can start people to come in and witness and start to play around. Similarly, Clyde, they're working on more on the physical layer and, and the radio layer, and they're looking at shared rural network. Again, we bring that into our hubs. And Scottish Futures Trust, working on more of a barrier buster type project, Infralink and Infralink Exchange, which is how people can access the assets a lot, lot easier. So uh, through our partners and through our other academia across Scotland, you know, there's seven leading institutions in, in Scotland. We've got connections with them all and we bring those into our hub program and we can signpost people to help with that, that innovation and that, those applications where we don't have the, the answers ourselves as well. So it's about, you know, Scotland isn't that big a place and it what works well. It is when you go to the Highlands, you think, oh, there's no coverage. How do we get coverage up here? But equally, when, when it's about, you know, working with industry, working with SMEs, working with academia, it's relatively easy to bring these people together and, and start to drive innovation, start to drive on entrepreneurship that, would, that does make a difference. Yeah, I mean, we live in Sweden, so we understand the concept of, Big countries with lots of open space and then you know, very highly populated population centers. 
it does create an inter interesting mix of, uh, of exactly problems and ch and challenges in in bringing out services. Mm. And I think it's actually you know it's not uncommon around the world. There are many places that we do business where yeah. rural access is is a challenge because of the low population densities and the you know finding ideas and ways to to break that that barrier is, is very important on a global basis really exactly and i think what, what excites me and, and interests me about this space it's, it's constantly evolving isn't it so whilst we've got another g right we're now at 5g that whole prospect of how you deploy networks and evolve that is changing you know we started off by you know just a mobile operator we've now got mobile operators but in terms of now the provision of, of wireless connectivity you've got you know we've got MNOs we've got Towercos so a lot of the MNOs are are selling off a lot of their assets we've got neutral host players we've got wireless infrastructure providers MVNOs governments are potentially going to start acting as or, or sourcing their own private networks for the towns and cities and then you've got community networks and private networks so the whole landscape is changing and then that's backed by you've got open RAN and tier two suppliers coming along so yeah, the cost of deployment, I think, is going to go through the floor. I think in in years to come versus where it historically has been, and then the appetite to invest and the return of investment from those telcos is 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 very different to what it used to be as well. You know, you've got people coming into the business now looking at you know a twenty year return of investment on infrastructure. So that's why I think places like Scotland is really interesting because you can really look at okay. There's different ways now to deploy infrastructure where the, the return can be based on over a 20-year cycle. I think that's where we can really start to shift the dial here in Scotland or make a case for rural connectivity beyond. Yeah. And and are you looking at 5G also as, a, as an alternative for things like fixed broadband? for doing home, connecting people's homes and not just connecting people? Yeah, I, I guess it's not really, I mean, the UK as a whole, I don't think we're making enough fixed wireless access at the moment. It's evolved, you know, that we've got in the UK from a fixed perspective, it started off with, with Virgin and, and OpenReach. They've invested a lot in fibre to the premise of late as well. And I think we could be making and we should be making a lot more of fixed wireless access. Yeah, we're seeing more happening overseas in the US as an example, but less less so here. There are cases of it in the UK for sure, but I'd like to see more of it happening. And you know, certainly why couldn't millimeter wave, for example, uh, I, I think doesn't immediately think, okay, that's a solution for fixed wireless access, but it could be for that that last hop to uh to, to rural premises, offering 5G type or fixed type services over that last bit of wireless. And I think yeah, when we talk about millimeter wave, it's not just only reserved for uh, for dense urban areas. I think it's got it got it got its use there as well. The the interesting thing with millimeter wave is you have this ability to form radio beams. So it's uh, although in principle it doesn't go very far by beaming it, you can actually significantly increase the range. And as you say, it's very good then for for connecting to to a fixed property somewhere somewhere in the line of sight. Yeah, and you know, you know, in uh, if you are looking at fixed wireless access or remote areas, there's not going to be any, any interference for sure. So you know, as a, as a point generally, you know, we know in Scotland there's a lot of fallow spectrum. So the the commercial mobile operator spectrum 
might be used in the in the what we call the central belt across Glasgow and, and Edinburgh and, and Dundee the like. But as you go to more remote areas, that spectrum isn't used. That mid, a lot of that mid bad spectrum isn't used. So a we should be using more of that for the likes of uh, of this. But equally, as we progress, you know, millimeter wave should be should be included and encouraged. I often say, you know, fiber's got its place, and ab- absolutely, but. We've got a bit preoccupied, I, I think, with fibre to the premise as opposed to fibre where it matters. And that's what it's about for me. It's fibre where it matters so we can get it to the premises, but also get it to the masts so, so we can do that last hop wirelessly. That's cool. Do, do we just want to round off then? I know we've talked about 5G, but uh, do, you, do you have a vision for what 6G is going to bring us? I mean, my, my vision for the, for the centre as a whole is, I guess, advanced connectivity. When people pick up on, you know, why is it a 4G centre or a 5G centre? I think it should be advanced connectivity, which covers 4G upwards, if you like. And 6G is coming, isn't it? In fact, Paul and, and Janina, I had some of your colleagues over here uh, just a couple of weeks ago from Ericsson looking at Scotland as a place to potentially set them up and collaborate around 6G research. So, you know, in terms of what we're doing and the research base in Scotland, we are, we are doing very well. So I, th- I think it's the right place to do it. And I, I think the centre being looking at, you know, 4G, 5G, 6G, LoRaWAN, it should be all things connectivity. Because when I'm talking to businesses, they're not interested in, you know, if they are that whiskey distillery or that fish farm or, or the National Manufacturing Institute that we've got here in Scotland, they don't really care whether it's 4G, 5G or 6G. They just want to increase, they want to innovate, increase productivity. And it's down to the application layer. So my conversation is about the application layer. You might be able to start with Wi-Fi, but as you want to do X, Y, Z, as you, as capacity can be a limita- limiting factor. And that's when you need to evolve to 5G and 6G as we go to the the metaverse and all that thing, all that good stuff. But that's probably another another podcast if we want to get into the metaverse. <laughs> so, I, uh, yeah, I, I think it, it should be, we are starting to consider where 6G has, it, has its role. I think just to, to round that one off, it's the centre, as that national centre that has links into academia, has links into business, has links into public sector, is we're in a very good place to underpin research and innovation around upcoming G's like 6G. It's about setting that that vision and having that North Star and bringing it all together for me. It's a crucial piece of the puzzle is 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 being able to take the technology and translate it into terms that the businesses can then take on board and, and use for the things that they do every day. Yeah, and I, I think you could argue maybe too much of some of this is, is a technology push, isn't it? And we, we've, we've seen that time and time again. But 5G is beginning to get hold now, and this is why we're focusing, arguably as a business, more on the commercial case and the commercial value in, in the diverse sectors across Scotland. It's underpinned by technology and the, the enablement that it does, but it's where does it deliver business benefit is what's important. And then when we're looking at 6G, we need to look at, okay, what is 6G? Making sure that it is going to make a difference. And cognitive radio, I, I think, is where... Yeah, as an example, one of the elements that needs to be pushed to 6G so it can just address, you know, we don't just widen the digital divide, we're really narrowing it. And that's you know, what we need to address through, through the next G. And so it's a bit more 
ubiquity no matter where you are or however you're connecting. I think we'll have failed if we don't get a 6G that, that manages to break that, that differential between urban and rural users, that you can bring networks all the way out to, to, to people in rural, rural areas. It's something that supports the survival of regions like Scotland to connect to the rest of the world and keep jobs and keep businesses is sort of like a backbone in like how you you create a competitive business, right? That you have a good connection and you can work actually in that whiskey distillery in rural Scotland. You don't have to move everything to in the middle of London, <laughs> right? The worry at the moment is, you know, 5G and what it, what you know, the bandwidth it enables and the capacity it enables, it's fantastic. But unless we tap into new business models, that digital divide will widen. All right, and and uh, yeah, whilst globally we're, we're we're looking, we're coming back from a bouncing back from a pandemic, and uh, we're faced next. The next challenge is is net zero, and and the challenges we've got there. So we need to make sure that you know digital connectivity, digital infrastructure is worth supporting all, not just those in in the dense urban areas. So we really need to make sure. You know, it's, it's not just a technology evolution, it's a business evolution and an ecosystem evolution. And that's coming. And that's what, you know, it's exciting for me. The pandemic has shown us, you know, that, that in many areas of business, you can work remotely. You, know, you don't have to be in the office to, to be able to perform, to perform your function and to be able to contribute to, to, the, to the economy. What you do need is connectivity. And if you can solve the connectivity out to, you know, more rural areas, then people can take well-paid jobs and be out in a village somewhere instead of being in a suburb to a city and by being there that you know that brings stimulus to the economy as well so uh, building connectivity is is going to be important i think you're in the you're in the right place that's good that's good i'm, I'm glad <laughs> yeah if, if you look at what, what's happened in the fixed space you know in the uk so we started off with open reach and and, and, and virgin we've now got this long tail of alternative fixed providers and that's really moved the dial in the UK. It, it's got those legacy providers to do more. It's, got, it's created overbuild in, in urban areas. And in the, the less urban, less populated areas, they've managed to find business cases that work for them. So it's enabled rollout. What we need to do is find that same model for wireless. As of the moment, in the UK, we have four commercial mobile operators. And then, okay, so now through private deployments, we're going to start to see system integrators step into that space as well. But we really need to tap into a similar model that has clearly worked for, for fixed fiber rollout. We need to get that for wireless. So it's not just preserved for the, for the commercial operators where we can create that environment so it encourages investment and innovation. Hmm. Just one last question. Because, uh, I mean, this sounds really progressive and you're, you're sort of trailblazers here in this area of rural connectivity. Uh, so... Do you feel like you're working alone on this or do you have like a network of other regions that you're also sharing how you are building this with? Yeah, so there's other research, there's other 5G innovation centres uh, in the UK, West Midlands 5G, for example, Cambridge and Milton Keynes. So we, we, we discuss together on what they're doing and what we're doing, arguably the dynamics and the environment we're in is, 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 is different. And clearly we have a big rural element to our focus as well. So definitely not, not alone, albeit the rural element, we're probably pushing that on our own as well. 
And then within Scotland itself, hey, there's other innovation centres backed by Scottish government as well. And we work with them as well. And some of those are focused more on the application layer. So collectively, again, we're trying to shift the dial in Scotland around how we can bring digital enablement to businesses. So we're focusing on the transport, the enablement, they deliver the, the application layer. All in all, I, I think we're definitely not working alone, which is great to hear. It's an exciting space to be. The key element of what we're doing, though, is, is with the, the national centre, that national gateway for advanced connectivity. And that's got currency, which I think people like because we've got that independence element to, to, to where we discuss. We're going to have to have you back again another time to tell us how it's going. <laughs> yeah, we could get you in person, maybe. We could take you to one of our innovation connect hubs. Uh, we can do some do some live demos and things. What we were maybe that distillery. <laughs> Show Janina the distillery exactly. Yes, please. I I need to see a whiskey distillery. Please, <laughs> a connected whiskey distillery is what I need now. <laughs> For sure. And a brewery, and a brewery, yeah. My former colleague, uh, Rob Joyce, who's down in, working for Nokia in Australia, he did, he did manage to connect a, a microbrewery down there. So we had a little bet. I'll connect the first brewery up in Scotland with 5G. So. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds, sounds really cool. Sure, then we're going to hear more about 5G in Scotland. And we'll keep our, our eyes and ears open and report on the podcast, especially on the development there. Absolutely. You certainly will. Lots more to come from the Scotland 5G Centre. <laughs> good, good. Yeah. Great to hear you, Mr. Paul Coffey. Uh, and uh, great to hear you as well, Mr. Paul Cowling. Uh, goodness, I just didn't remember your last name there for a second. We've just been doing podcasting for the last like, four years. Yeah. So thank you so much, both of you. It was great hearing about 5G in Scotland. And thanks, everyone, for listening. And bye. Bye.